What did you say? Hi, Jim. Hi, Megan. It's episode two. I'm excited. We should probably have a better opening than yeah. Than hi. This. Hi. Yeah. What's up? How you doing? Doing pretty good. Good. Yeah. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. Statement. Okay. I'm given to understand that you do a mean Gollum impression. Oh, yeah. Please reproduce this impression <laughs> for us <Okay>. now. <clears throat> so, can I preface this with a story? Absolutely. Okay, so here's the story. Um, well, it's not really a story. It's more like when you're a young woman, this is what happens all the time. When you go to bars, there are dirty, disgusting men who like to be rude and hit on you. So, men. Men. And, um, well, there was... Um, a few instances of that over this past week, but it made me think, how am I going to like properly dismiss them, but also frighten them and make them think I'm weird so that they actually go away? Because if you dismiss them, you could be like, no, 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 go away. No. And they still don't care. They will still scream their phone number at you when they leave the bar, which is, does that liter that oh, yeah. literally happens uh-huh. to you? Yeah, because I'm so I'm so far removed from the trying to meet women at bars. Scene. Well, don't do I've this. Never, I've never <laughs> done it. First of yeah. all, well, it, I I think in my entire like adult life since college, I think I've only been hit on by like maybe two decent guys in a bar. Other than that, they're all creeps. That you just it doesn't ever work, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I've had guys like do like a Fonzie slide up to me, like, Hey, hey what you drinking? <laughs> Nothing. Go away. Like literally this stuff happens, but no. Um, so I came up with an idea and <clears throat> this is going to get all phlegmy for a second. The idea is that I use my Gollum voice by, to scare them off. And I would repeat the monologue that Gollum goes through, Smeagol goes through when he's trying to get rid of Gollum. And he's like, <clears throat> Leave now and never come back. What? Leave now and never come back. What did you say? Leave now and never come back. Oh my god. And then he goes, wait, and then he goes, <laughs> We told him to go away in the road, the girl's precious. <laughs> oh and then I would just yell that after him as he leaves the bar. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do that to scare my roommate in the dorm. I'd be like, and she was like, stop it. No. Oh my God. That wasn't even that good. It wasn't saliva enough. Are you enough. kidding me? <clears throat> you could ADR precious. that whole movie. I did ADR a scene from Star Wars, by the way. Did you? Yeah, and I played Leia and Luke. Well, let's hear it. Well, no, I, I. It was the part where he's like, um, it was in the garbage chute. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And um, it was for someone's capstone here. Okay. At school, and um, it was, what was my, oh, the there's something alive in here, like when he does that part. But I, I don't know. It was just, I don't know if I could recreate it right now, but um doing it was so fun because you I had to match up with their rhythm and since right. I'm a percussionist I like I would have him loop the scene the the line that I had to do just loop it in a and then I would get the rhythm of it eventually and then I'd be like okay mute it go and then I would do it exactly right it was mm-hmm. awesome 
It was really fun. That's terrific. Yeah. I, I really, I literally was holding back from laughing while you were doing Gollum. <laughs> I saw your face Because it's red. so good. Really? I wanted people to be able to hear it, like, without me going, <laughs> so funny, Megan. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome, though? Like, and then just start prancing around, celebrating that they left and be like, super happy in the, in the single voice. You just need to keep a raw fish with you at all times and just like beat it with a rock while you do that. What's the little song he sings um, where he's like pounding on the fish? Right. Doesn't he sing a song? I forget how it goes. Yeah, I don't know it either. But yeah, I used to always um, be like, you don't have any friends all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I feel legitimate. You you are totally legit. <laughs> Thank you. Now I need... <clears throat> oh, my. It's coffee time now. Mm-hmm. Coffee time. Okay. Got to clear the pipes. <laughs> that was good. Okay. So, yeah, this is episode two of Nerd Novice. Yeah. And we're very excited to be back. Question. What is your current rage quotient on a scale of 1 to 15,000? Um, whoa, 15,000. Um... I mean, I think I average at a hover, uh, I hover average at about like 12,000. About 12,000? That's like okay. my normal day. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask me this on Thursday, that which was the day that this happened in the bar, it would have been like 15,000 legit. Right, right. Um, I Instagrammed a picture of myself flicking off the camera because I was really mad. I saw that. And I was like, if only these jerks can see my Instagram feed, that would be showing them. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Here's an idea. You need to get a Polaroid camera. I have one. Do you? Yeah, I need film. You need to get some film. Okay. And when somebody hits on you <laughs> at the it. bar, what you can do is say, I'll tell you what. Let me take a picture of myself and I'll give you I'll give you the picture. Yeah. And so you bust out the Polaroid. Yeah. You flip off the Polaroid. Do a selfie of you flipping off the yeah. Polaroid. Yeah. And then just hand it to them. They would probably still find that attractive. They probably yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. Um what was I just gonna say? Uh oh my gosh, I totally for oh, there's like an app. They just somebody just invented an app to try to end street harassment or something, and it was about documenting every incident Mm -hmm. so you just get this app on your phone and you document on the map where you are and like what happened and you can include a photo so i find that really awesome because you're like oh asshole post there click and then you like post it on the internet and say how much of a jerk they are which is kind of slander but um still well it's not slander if they actually did it yeah right that's true um so anyway i think my rage right now is probably it's probably it's probably at the average today. I'm feeling pretty okay. good. So about twelve twelve thousand. Twelve thousand, okay. yeah. How I would you? I would say that well, thank you for asking, yes. first of all. I would say that I'm probably maybe a thirteen thousand typically. Mm-hmm. But but something new has come into my life <clears throat> to cause my rage level to decrease. Oh. So I'm probably at only about a 10,000. Wow. And you know why? Why? My rage level is decreased. Let me guess. Is it Buffy? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy got you. Buffy got me. <sighs> she gets everyone. Oh my god. So it's how, so how good. I know. I know. It's so good. You have how many episodes? I watched the first two. 
The first two. Which okay. is basically a two-parter. Right, yeah. Because it's you, a to, be, said last to be continued where it's like the freeze frame. Right. Freeze frame. To yeah. be continued. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions. Awesome. I have a lot of uh, comments. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific. I'm so glad that Buffy was able to decrease your average, maybe not your average, but it will eventually become your average as a lower level of rage. Maybe it will it will become my is homeostasis the right phrase? Um yes. In that case? I think so. I think it would be, yes. Which is great. So yeah, that's awesome. You know, who needs blood pressure medication when you can just Buff- uh throw in a couple seasons of Buffy right. and make your troubles just uh just slide away. Yeah. Flush them down the toilet. Yeah. Now before we get in Stake them. Yeah, stake them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> murder <laughs> murder your rage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh before we <laughs> dig into Buffy, I Assume that you watched Star Trek. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yes. I watched the first episode, which was more like a movie. It was like 91 minutes long, yeah. which is awesome. Yep. Um, and I loved it. It was so good. Excellent. And I mean, I have a ton of questions. I have a little notebook that I wrote all of my little points of interest because I'll just draw a blank if I don't look at the notes. But um, do you want to do you want to do Star Trek The Next Generation first? Because I think. I have a feeling that we can go long on Buffy. Okay. Because I'm really, really yeah, let's do enthusiastic that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I watched, excuse me, <clears throat> I watched Encounter at Farpoint, which is like a movie in several different ways. First of all, it's really long. It's an hour and a half, which, you know, that's pretty long for a TV show. Um, and the music is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's McCarthy. one of the first things I noticed was like, this is a movie soundtrack right now, and it's throughout the whole entire show. I mean, just constantly there's some sort of soundtrack playing, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I find that really, really cool, and um, just the quality of it was really awesome. That's, I have the CD. I'll loan it to you if you want to hear it. sweet. Yeah. Awesome. I'd love to. Um, I just think that um, studio orchestras just add a lot, and especially in a sci-fi series. Yeah, and I'm pleased that you mentioned that because Star Trek – uh, of course, I mean, that was back in, in 87 at a time when there were more orchestras still being used in Hollywood. Right. But the, the synth the synth revolution had had begun by then. Right. But but Star Trek, even into the 90s and even into the, the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, um, was one of the one of the last um keepers of the guard when it came to using a full uh live orchestra mm-hmm. for scoring so it it eventually got to a point where basically all that was left in terms of orchestra for TV was Star Trek Simpsons um you know Family Guy mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a that's I never a thought about that actually. It. Yeah, yeah. Family Guy and Simpsons. That's yeah. totally true. Like the theme song for Simpsons, even. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that was just one of the first things I just always noticed that first anyway. But it was it was definitely really cool. Um, <clears throat> so the episode um was amazing, and um, first of all, it starts off with sort of introducing the whole situation, all the characters that are you know, on this new ship, on this new version of Star Trek. And uh, it so it introduces them. But then 
it goes on to tell this amazing story that I was just like blown away. It could have just ended there and I would have been happy. So it was was awesome. But um, so I want to talk about the characters. Yeah, please. Um, Q Mm -hmm. is really weird. He is really weird. (laughs) He wears makeup. Uh, No, he was weird. Um, When he first came on in that like Shakespearean outfit, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, come on, man. (laughs) Like, that's so annoying. But um, no, he he was really, um, I just wanted to punch him in the face. Like when he was a judge in that whole. I mean, he's a a real jerk in that episode. Yeah. Does he change? No. In a way, he does. And the way that the way that um what John Delancey yeah the way that he like smirks is just so irritating to me. <laughs> I just that he he looks like he's just full of himself. I mean, mm-hmm. and I and that was just irritating. I was like, yeah. okay, you know what? You can just leave them alone. Fifteen they're just years. They're just Stratford on Avon, and now this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just leave him alone. Let them yeah. fly in peace. Either that, or he's like, "Hey, man, I was the hand that rocks the cradle." Yeah, and uh, you know, now I'm doing TV. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> what a weirdo. Yeah, but okay. So, <clears throat> let me consult my notes. Um, so Tasha, yes, is totally awesome. Th- which brings me to um this point that I wanted to make, which um I think is really cool. The show has a lot of awesome women. Mm-hmm. In a very uh, real sense, you know, it's it's very, um, I would say, feminist in that, right? Because all of the women have extremely different personalities. And everyone, you know, the fact that Tasha's chief of security as a woman is, like, so awesome. I, I found, I, I when I first saw that, I was, really? She's in charge of security? That's really cool, mm-hmm. you know? And she's just, like, kick-ass first, ask questions later, kind of, you know, like. She, the way she was reacting in court is like totally how I would be. I'd be like, no! And then I would try to like kick something and right. somebody would have to hold me back and say, you're screwing everything up. Yeah. Just chill. It's okay. Um, I thought she was really cool. And um, She's got a pretty high uh, rage quotient. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I can Off relate to that. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, well, <clears throat> at first, uh, that's one of the things that I always look for, especially... You know, since one of my favorite shows is Buffy, which is like totally feminist and awesome um, as far as just treating women like they actually are in real life instead of making them into this image of something that doesn't really exist. Um, So that's one of the first things I always notice. And the first thing I noticed was uh, when the counselor walked on, her skirt was so short. And I was like, how is this okay? Why are the women wearing such short skirts? Yeah. Holy crap. Well, in fairness, there's men who wear the skorts. Really? In that show, too. You, oh, you didn't notice them? Oh, wait, I did. Yes, because she walked on screen and I was like, what? And then I saw someone like on the second level that was in the same screen mm-hmm. shot. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I don't know yeah. why he's wearing a skirt. But um, no, skort, whatever. <laughs> I'm glad you know what a skort is. Uh, so, but she's actually really cool, too. Um, I liked her. So her and Reich are like totally banged, right? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, big time, yeah, big time banging. Yeah, and um, uh, Picard and the Doctor Lady, did they totally bang? I have a theory. Go, lay it on me. Go. That uh, the kid is actually his. <gasps> That's my theory. 
That's a great theory. Yeah. That would be so awesome. It's not. It's not. Damn. Do you want to know do you know what do you want to know what the deal is? Yeah, well, what they said in the episode was that I guess um Picard like was friends with her husband mm-hmm. and brought his dead body home to the family when Right. That was all they really said. Yeah. But Picard has always had the hots for Beverly. I mean, you could tell they're like <clears throat> there's like lightning bolts. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think the furthest they get is like coffee and croissant. Really? Yeah. It's shit. But he totally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they 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 There's a lot of flirtatious lot of chemistry looks. there. Yeah. For show. For show. This is this is good. Um you know, Gene Roddenberry, the the creator of Star Trek, was very involved with the first uh first season, first couple of seasons of the next generation and he he honestly he's sort of infamously known as a little bit of a womanizer which is not great yeah but at the same time he had kind of very feminist ideals in the sense that in the very first pilot episode of Star Trek back in the 1960s we're talking like 66 mm-hmm. The first officer of the ship was a woman. Wow. Yeah. And it was actually uh, the character was played by Majel Barrett, whom he later married in real life. And she's now uh, she became the the voice of the ship's computer. Uh, She actually plays Deanna Troy's mother in subsequent episodes of The Next Generation. And she ended up being involved with with Star Trek throughout the, the rest of her her life. And so what happened was he did the original pilot and it wasn't even Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. It was a different actor, a guy named Jeffrey Hunter, who played a played Captain Pike. And so they shot this pilot. It's Pike and a female first officer. And it had Spock played by Leonard Nimoy. But he wasn't he was the science officer, but not not really first officer. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, and I'm kind of like paraphrasing it here, but the long story short of it is the the network thought that the pilot episode was – they called it too cerebral. They wanted more more action and they also said uh, get rid of the guy with the pointy ears because he looks like Satan <laughs> and why is there a woman on the bridge? That's crap. Yeah. So he, you know, he had to kind of choose his battles, and he decided to keep the alien, but, but ditch the woman. Ditch the woman. Nah, but in, in later uh, Star Trek, so uh, Star Trek Voyager, mm-hmm. Captain Janeway. Um, so there's a lot of representation yeah, out there. That, yeah, I mean, I think that's cool, um, for sure. And Spock is awesome, so I don't blame him. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not the only thing I wanted to talk about, but I think that was a good first observation. Um, another, I'm like kind of grasping at straws with these theories because I'm like, oh, I want to predict it right, you know? Yeah. Um, the part where uh, Data is walking that old man, the ab- admiral, mm-hmm. is he from the first series? Yes, he is. Nice. That's Dr. McCoy. He was so cute. I was like, oh my God, little yeah. old man, look at him walking. Mm-hmm. His little cardigan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His little space cardigan. 
<laughs> he was cute. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, okay. So um, the the actual episode, do you want to paraphrase it or should I paraphrase it? Or No, you go ahead. Okay. So um, <clears throat> it starts off with, uh, you know, just like the captain's log. I guess they probably all start like that. Um, and they're assembling a new crew. Well, not an all new crew. They're getting a new first officer. Captain right. R- Captain Riker or not Captain um commander commander yeah um and uh so they're I don't know I understand like how, how this ship works because I'm I'm sensing that it's some sort of um it's not a transport ship so much as it like people actually live there right yeah people people yeah. live on the ship okay and so there's there's actually about a thousand people who live on the ship including families Right now, not not civilian families, but basically uh, members of Starfleet who are married, you know, have a spouse. Oh, so there's no civilian ship, families. And there's, there's children. No, it's not not a civilian. It seemed like there were more people. I guess there's a lot of crew that you don't really see. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but actually, um, I'm wrong because Captain Picard is new too. Right. He's a new captain. Right. So this is his. Well, he's. He's already been a captain. But he's new to this ship. He's new to this ship, yeah. And the crew that's there has already been there, right? Everybody else, like the counselor and the chief of security and well, Data. The, yeah, I mean, well, the, the the thing is, is that the the ship is brand new. He's the first captain of it. Oh. As the episode starts, they've already kind of assembled most of the crew. And it kind of it kind of begins with, with them going out to like pick up the rest of the gang. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. So they're um they're doing that and um eventually they have they're trying to find a, that space station or something that mm-hmm. with the what's his name Zork. Yeah. Right? The the other species so they're trying to um purchase it or be I don't know what they're doing but um and then, you know, Deanna Troy is, like, sensing all these crazy emotions and um, all that stuff. But that's kind of – oh, wait. I skipped the part where Q comes in. Q comes in and interrupts them. They run into some sort of, um, like, disturbance in the force. And right. uh, <laughs> and uh, Q, like, enters the ship and then tells them that they're savages and humans are a horrible race and, like, look at all these bad things we've done and he – Talks about you know World War Two and all that stuff and everything and and uh, takes them to court without you know he just kidnaps them basically mm-hmm. um, and then you know he's putting them on trial in an unfair way telling them you need to pay for your race's wrongdoings and uh, um, they're all like what we we didn't do anything because we're cool and he's like oh yeah prove it and they're like okay we'll prove it and he's like sweet and then he puts them back on the ship like nothing ever happened and then so now they're on this um they're like kind of on their toes and what the heck's gonna happen blah 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 fast forward they find the space station something or another she's sensing all these emotions and it's like making her cry like a little baby but it's really at first you're like this is dumb and then when you rewatch it you're like that's so sad because you find out why the emotions are happening right and it's because like they go through all these different adventures. Like they're trying to go under the under the station to see what's down there, and there's all these caves or whatever. And um, um, 
Wait. And then what happens? Uh, I forget what happens. Whatever. Anyway, so she, um, they eventually find out that there's a ship that's trying to attack them, but it's actually not a ship. It's a creature. It's like a giant jellyfish. Right. The crystalline entity. entity. Okay, yeah. It looks like that. That's a good name for it. And um, it's really mad because the space station is actually not a space station. It's actually another one of those. And it's this little partner, and he's really sad, or she's really sad because the partner is trapped and kidnapped, and they just want to be together, and it's so sad. And then they fix it in the end, and everyone's happy, and Q's like, well, fine. You're good, I guess, and whatever. So, Right. That's my synopsis. That's a very good synopsis. Thanks. Bravo. Oh, um, also, I liked the Earth simulation room. It reminded me of the Room of Requirement in Harry Potter. Mm. I don't know if you would be able to remember what that is. Um, but it's like a room that can be whatever you want it yeah. to be. The, holo- the holodeck mm-hmm. in Star Trek. So is that, it's just like a virtual simulation? It doesn't actually recreate. I mean, I'm wondering if it's like really got plants in there, or if it's just all virtual. Well, what it what it does is is the holodeck is is a combination of of 3D and physical simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that they also have in the Star Trek world is our replicators. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they can use replicators to make food and create simple items. And extend the series in an easy way or make plot loops close. Because if you don't have enough food in space, then you all die. But that won't happen because they can do it. Right. Their simulator. Right. right. So they they kind of – yeah, exactly. That's true. They they kind of take those things – out of out of the equation by this, this this idea of having replicators, and so the way the the way the holodeck works is that most of what you're seeing is sort of a projection, mm-hmm. but it also has a certain degree of tangibility. Okay. So if you eat something on the holodeck, you can actually eat something. It's it's replicated. Food, or what you can do is um, in the holodeck you can run through sort of like role playing simulations. Okay, where you can act out training the you can do training. You can act out a book or you know cool. whatever they do like a Sherlock Holmes thing. Oh, cool! Later in the series, which is I think a lot of fun. And so what you can do with that is, like, you can change clothes in the holodeck. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done with the program, like, you're still wearing your little costume. Okay. Or whatever. Whereas, like, everything else kind of uh, disappears gotcha. in the room. So it's, so, like, limited virtual reality, but also some physical right, reality. Right, right. But it's very it's very convincing. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, when you're when you're in the holodeck, it looks and feels real. Okay, that's um, cool. And they do they do rely on the holodeck from time to time for four episodes. So they'll right. do, you know, kind of in in fandom, what are referred to as as just holodeck episodes. So it's sort of like, well, we can either take our spaceship to a theme planet, 
where they're still in the wild, wild west. Or we can have a holodeck adventure yeah. set on in yeah. the wild, wild west, which they actually do. That's awesome. There's another one where they do like Robin Hood stuff That's on the holodeck. Yeah. Like I said, they do Sherlock Holmes stuff on the holodeck. That's awesome. And, you know, it, it, of course, it always malfunctions. Yeah. So, you and know. then they're like going to be stuck in that world or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That totally reminds me of like so many other shows too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see how Star Trek influenced so many shows, like X Files or, um, uh, what was I going to say? I, I just totally lost my train of thought. But it, you actually just reminded me. Well, Buffy too. I mean, there's so many episodes that are like the the mummy episode. There's a mummy episode, and mm-hmm. there's like a you know internet robot episode and all that stuff. They, they'll have like. Um, just one episode where it's like all of a sudden something strange that would never ever come back happens like you're in the museum and you accidentally awaken a mummy and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. everything's like Egypt themed you know right, right so yeah that's awesome cool Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to say was my favorite quote from the whole thing okay where Picard's like if we're going to be damned then we might as well be damned for what we really are yeah <laughs> Very good. It's like yeah, that's very good. good. I like that. Quote. I can tell that you spend a lot of time in the theater. No, I didn't actually. No. Just being obnoxious. <laughs> um, yeah, that's very that good. Was good. I liked it a lot. I okay. can't wait to watch the next. Stuff. So what do you? What do you? What do you think? Are you? Are you enamored enough to basically just kind of continue down the line? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I well, especially since the next episode, something about they get some sort of virus that makes them seem like they're drunk. Right. And that looked very entertaining, mm-hmm. so I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure I'll watch all the way down the line. Okay. For sure. Yeah, there's, there's a lot I'm of... I'm a loser. I don't have a life, so I just sit around and watch Netflix all well, the time. Yeah. Misery loves company. Yeah. <laughs> so you come to the right place. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, there, yeah, there's a lot of interesting if, if conventions in the Star Trek universe if it's your first time kind of exploring it. And we talked about the holodeck. That really comes comes into play um, in in Star Trek, you know, particularly the Next Generation. There, there's really no, there's no money, so like they're not getting paid to be Starfleet officers. Mm-hmm. You just kind of do it as your contribution to the greater good. Now there are other species that have an economy and value money and that sort of thing. But not not Starfleet. Well, but when the doctor was in that little like market area, she saw the fabric and she was like, "Charge it to Doctor whatever her name is." Right. She was charging it. Yeah. So. There's inconsistencies. Okay. Well, there there I are inconsistencies. One just now. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot of lot of little things like that, and I think the overall the the concept is that. Um, you know, you were you were kind of wondering, you know, are there are there civilians on there? What the the what is the role of the ship? Well, it's it's primarily like exploratory, diplomatic. So their idea is they just they're going to go explore and see what they find, mm-hmm. and they get sent on specific missions. So what's going on along on, the way? We could extend this conversation for a long time. So just yeah. tell me when to stop. But what's going on on Earth during this? Like, is it apocalyptic? Is it gone? Like, what's no, no. In, in fact, it's uh, the whole the whole idea. Also, is that Earth is almost a utopia. So all of the nation states have they've overcome war 
and poverty and hunger and all of those things, and the entire the entire earth is united and kind of formed one one government, oh. and then so that that occurs, and then because of warp drive, the ability to travel faster than light, hyperspace humans get. Uh, yeah, hyperspace. It's <laughs> it ain't like dozen crops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what happens is because they develop warp drive, they then get noticed by other civilizations that have kind of reached this same technological level, and that that actually happens in one of the Star Trek movies where we kind of see. The origins of of oh. first contact okay. with an alien species, but essentially, the again, like the long story short is, Earth has kind of solved all of their problems. They've developed sufficiently to the point where they can go faster than light, and then that hooks them up with other civilizations who have accomplished the same thing, and then you have what's called the Federation. Okay, so the United Federation of Planets, which is Basically, like the humans, the Vulcans, uh, a whole bunch of other species that get along and are happy together mm-hmm. and, and cooperate and, and all of those things. And so Starfleet is um, a sort of the, the – def- this is a whole big can of worms because there's hot – there's huge debate yeah. in the Star Trek fan circles as to is Starfleet – the military or not oh. in a way they are they they starfleet does act as defense for the federation but more importantly it's also research and exploration and dis- diplomacy i mean there's scientists and all of it those seems things. like they're all they all have that kind of mindset of a scientist right yeah right um so i'm really interested in hearing that that you were so um, so captivated by the characters, and I think you'll appreciate what happens with them as as time goes yeah. goes on. So um, to kind of wrap this around to a little bit of a of a conclusion in talking about the Star Trek stuff, um, you and I talked before we started to record. And have essentially come come to the 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 idea that you know how long are we going to continue to explore a particular series or whatever right. in the show because especially long ones like Buffy or Star Trek they're very- right yeah so we have seven seasons each and you know if we if we went through every single episode one by one I mean we'd spend five years on this podcast right. just doing those shows so we we decided. Dear listeners, what we'd end up doing is is sort of bring everything into sort of pick a specific episode per season of a show mm-hmm. and discuss that in particular, but also discuss the seasons in a more general sense. Right. So uh, it kind of goes without saying there will be spoilers along the way. But yeah, I mean, like I said, there's no such thing as spoilers when the shows are almost, you know, Buffy's not a decade, but they're very old shows. Yeah. And if you've never seen them at this point, 
the internet can't do anything for you. You just have to deal with it. Right. And see the spoilers happen. So right. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I th- I think that's that's fair. And and so what we'll do is we'll we'll pick uh, pick an episode from each season and go through them, and then talk in in general. So yeah. having said that, um, there are a pair of season two episodes that I would highly recommend for you that we can talk about next time. And I'll actually just kind of give you your choice. Okay. And um, and then we can go through those. So the the two episodes uh, that I thought would be a good representation of season two would be one called uh, A Measure of a Man. Okay. Which is a, which is a data-focused Ooh, I love kind data. of courtroom drama I like data type episode. Okay. So there's that one. And there's also an episode called Q Who. Mm-hmm. Now, Q Who is important because of, of well, two things. Uh, obviously, it brings back Q. Right. Because he, he appears throughout the series. Um, I don't know if he actually does make it in like once a season. I don't think it's quite that literal. Okay. But, you know, he's probably on maybe – Nine, ten episodes throughout the entire run. And in Q Who, we are introduced to one of the most significant villain races in Star Trek, the okay. Borg. Okay. So, you know, maybe you're, you've got a little bit of Q fatigue. No, I don't. I don't. Okay. He, no, it was just um, – he was just kind of ridiculous. But that doesn't mean I – Annoyed to the point that I don't want to see him anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I just don't like John Delancey that much. Okay. <laughs> He's kind of irritating. But no, I, I definitely want to watch um, episodes that are crucial and, yeah. and important. So, um, yeah, I'm, I might even, you know, we'll see how I feel adventurous-wise. But I might watch both and then sort of pick which one I want to talk about okay. more than the other. So Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Um, and then... Uh, as far as, I mean, I could right now tell you for Buffy, um, I looked over the season two list of episodes, and there's kind of like a mid-season uh, two-part episode. Mm-hmm. So um, it's called What's My Line, and there's part one and part two. So you can watch both. Sorry, I'm assigning you two episodes. You have to watch that's, both. That's um, quite all right, believe me. <laughs> So, um, yeah, watch those, and then those will be the ones we talk about next week. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So let's buff it up now. Buffin! <laughs> the buffster. Yeah. Buffing it up. Um, so you watched Welcome to the Hell- Hellmouth, and then you watched the next one, um, which, what's it called? Oh, my God. I forget what it's called. I don't remember what Shoot. it was called, but it was really good. Yeah. I know yeah. the third episode's called Witch, but I forget what the second one's called. Anyway, um, so tell me what you thought. Welcome to the Hellmouth. I love this. Um, let me let me just step back a second and, and talk about actually Joss Whedon. Okay. Before we talk specifically in Buffy, um, <clears throat> I've been in in various nerd circles pretty much my entire life. TV wise, Star Wars. Well, Star Wars is not TV movie, but Star Wars and Star Trek have have been kind of my big anchors right. in terms of sci-fi. I would say Star Wars is probably my big anchor too. Okay. Yeah. Good. And um, 
so in that sense, I've, I've missed out a little bit on the whole Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. uh, we'll call it fanaticism. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a, in a good context. So, you know, I've been a huge comic book fan, Star Wars and Star Trek, lot, lots and lots of things, you know, X-Files, Battlestar, right. all that stuff, okay? Um, but I would go to conventions, Right. And you would start to see people with like the Joss Whedon is my master now. Yeah. Because there was the whole backlash because the Star Wars prequels kind of tanked in the minds of of a lot of people. And they're like, well, screw George Lucas. He used to be the master. Yeah. But Joss is yeah. is 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 we, the master now. On. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I liked Firefly quite a bit. I'm not an expert by any means, but right. but enjoyed it very much. And I knew I knew that Joss Whedon was the co-writer of Toy Story and, mm-hmm. and had done plenty of things. Did you ever see Serenity? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if you included that yep. in the Firefly yeah. thing. But I never really. I got the whole Firefly Serenity thing for sure. Mm-hmm. I and also Doctor Horrible's mm-hmm. Sing Along Blog, which mm-hmm. is pure, just awesome. brilliant. I love, love it. NPH. Never quite got why people were so into him. Mm-hmm. Now I do. Yeah, awesome. Now I un- now I understand truly why it is that that people you know have so much reverence for for what he's done. That is awesome that you get that from two episodes. That's yeah. very cool. It's first of all the what I loved about it was how comfortable the the characters were how good the dialogue is oh the dialogue is awesome and actually like um the the dialogue is one of those things that the way he has them talk is so teenager and just awesome the slang that they use. Yeah, you'll see it later as you go, um, turning words into other words, and just sort of like the slayage. They would say stuff like that, you know. Like, yeah. So I, that kind of thing is so cool with with the way he he writes his I, dialogue. I, I wrote a couple of them down. There was oh, there's, there's one where uh, they use the term "he scared the Wiggins out of me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I thought that was yeah. Fun. I'm getting the Wiggins from this place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the sitch? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, there's another one, uh, vague it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I liked a lot. Yeah. So it immediately put me, you know, at a certain like comfort level with the characters. Yeah, it does. It totally does. It makes them seem approachable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, that's, that's the thing too is, is he created, he created a world where, Obviously, it's what's happening is obviously ridiculous, right? It's very comic bookish, in a way. But for as ridiculous as it is, it's fully believable, and you want to live in it, right? And it's funny because the more the show goes on, the more you're like, "How do the people of Sunnydale not see that this is absolutely ridiculous?" Like they mm-hmm. live in a world where monsters just appear, but it's like they described with the Hellmouth, you know, like it's more focused in that area. So mm-hmm. how do they not like move away? I don't, you know, that you start realizing that after a while, but it's still believable somehow. Somehow you're still, oh, well, you know, 
whatever day-to-day life you know they, like the okay let me bring this up because i wanted to bring this up the locker room scene mm-hmm. where the dead body comes out of the locker right that's just hilarious like tell me what you thought about that scene when, when you saw that if you can remember it i do remember it yeah. uh it was great um what i thought was a little bit maybe questionable a small criticism mm-hmm. was that the body falls out of the locker and scares the bejesus out of out of the girl. Mm-hmm. But then Buffy sneaks into the locker room like a little bit later on in the day to check it out to see if that person had been extenuated. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Anyway, gotten bit. Yeah. <laughs> bit. <laughs> I, bit it on. I, I can't use big words. <laughs> okay. I try. I just, I just say bit. <laughs> and... Um, so she she just goes in, and what I thought was a little bit disbelievable was the fact that she was able to essentially just waltz right in, right? Well, she and like it wasn't swarmed by police, right? And there's no the body is still point. laying there, right? Yeah. Right. I just I love like I'm just picturing it right now. I love when because you don't really start to see her powers very much. You you see like you see her jump really high and then like do some karate or whatever mm-hmm. um when she runs into uh angel in the alleyway right but this is like the first time you ever see her do anything because she turns that that doorknob on the locker room and it's locked and mm-hmm. she just goes like you know turns it and then all of a sudden it breaks off and right. just her little like dance that she does it's so girly like mm-hmm. she breaks and she's like oh hey, hey. and then she goes in right. and it is just like the funniest little scene I think I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is awesome, and just her expressions and um, her manner of of acting is just so realistic. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just the way she broke the doorknob and was like, "I hope no one saw that." You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I find, but it's it's interesting because the the character is she in a, in a sense she's the reluctant hero. Like mm-hmm. she just doesn't want to deal with this crap anymore, right? Yeah. But at the same time. She's comfortable enough with herself to to make jokes about you know about whatever situation. In in a way, she kind of reminded me of Peter Parker of Spider Man, mm-hmm. who is you know f- famous for you know he'll crack a crack jokes at the bad guys while he's kicking their butts. Right, and that's totally. And she's got the wit down the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets better and better too, because she gets as as the series goes on, she gets. Uh, well, she maintains her reluctance, but she she gets to be less reluctant mm-hmm. and uh, more comfortable, and um, it it makes a very good transition. And and uh, it, you know, just the way the way she acts when she is slaying in like season four is completely different, but it's far entertaining. And, uh, and it's, you know, she'll, she'll crack jokes constantly, make puns all the time. You know, like this just, it's a, it's awesome. It's hilarious while she's kicking a vampire's ass. She's also, and then the way she kills them starts getting more creative, mm-hmm. um, which is so fun. Yeah. I love that. I, and they even start with that in the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I really like the uh, – she kills one of them by basically impaling them with a pool cue. Yeah. And it's a good visual gag because the vampire is, is out of frame and she just right. – you see her jab the pool cue 
to the to her right, and then she lets go of it, and then it and goes, it's still yeah. standing in the air. You know, it's parallel to the ground, and then you hear the dust. You hear him fall. Is this the one? Yeah, this is my favorite kill. Is in the second episode mm-hmm. where this is the episode where um, they're trying to find the sacrifices, and they're t- the guy's got the symbol, the big hairy ugly vampire, Matt guy. Damon vampire. Yeah, he's totally. Um, yeah. He uh, he's trying to you know suck as much blood as he can because he's feeding the master and all yeah, that. Who looks like John Malkovich? Yeah, I wrote some of these things down. <laughs> I literally have in my notes: Matt Damon vampire, the master vampire looks like John Malkovich. <laughs> mom, I I also said uh, Buffy's mom is hippie-ish. She looks like a cross between Susan Sarandon and Sigourney Weaver. Yes, I thought the same thing. Nice. She's High five. So, yeah. High five. Um, okay, well, I, okay. So tell me, tell me more, because I, okay. I should stop talking. Okay. So um, yeah, I can see where they they get creative about the uh, the slayings. Yeah. Which I thought was great, and I look forward to seeing yeah more of that. My favorite one. Let me just say that because before you move on, uh, my favorite one is with the symbol. Mm. Isn't that in the second episode? I'm gonna. I don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah, it is because they're in they're in the bronze and. Uh, she like, she throws a symbol from a drum set, oh, yeah, like a yeah. frisbee, and decapitates <laughs> yeah. a vampire with it. it is when you awesome. said symbol, I was thinking S Y M B O for a second. No, no she yeah. throws a symbol. That's my favorite one. I love that. Oh. Yeah, and you hear it cla- crash on the ground. Yeah. yeah, totally awesome. It's it's funny because it's in a way the the way they handle the fight choreography in the show is is kind of a product of its time, and also. I, I would think a product of the fact that it's on network television, crap network, right? But, yeah. but network television. So, I overall, I don't think the show felt dated by any means. I think it, I think it will stand the test of time mm-hmm. for sure. But one thing I noticed is, uh, you know, when when when. Sarah Michelle Gellar, or you know, her stunt double, probably. Well, I are doing a lot of fights. Yeah, yeah. Doing the the fight choreography, it's very gymnastic, right? Sort of, rather than being like if they were to make it today, and probably somebody else made it, it would be much more kung fu ish, fast paced. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot more cuts. They're they're very clever about how they edit it. Mm-hmm. So that you you think you see the fighting without actually seeing it. So they're they're cutting the shots at all the right times, right? Yeah, I see. What you so mean. that it it sort of masks the stage combat, right? Like one of the worst things that, this didn't happen in Buffy. Like one of the worst things that you see happen is somebody throws a punch in a TV show. And they show it, but the punch is, like, obviously a foot and a half away from the person's face. Yeah. And it just looks terrible. Right. But, like, in Buffy, what they do is you start to see them throw the punch or whatever, but then it cuts to the reaction. Yes. And um, so in that sense, it the the fighting seemed, didn't quite seem as as – edgy mm-hmm. as what we might see today but for the time i thought it was extremely 
well done. Well, and I definitely think that it was realistic for for what I mean, you put the situation together. There's a young 16-year-old girl who suddenly gets these superpowers, or, you know, strength and all that stuff and, mm-hmm. and the ability to fight like that. But she still has to train to fight. That's the thing right, that you haven't right. really seen yet. Mm-hmm. She still has to train. She's not like suddenly yeah. able to fight out of nowhere. So she's, so she's using her skills that she has, you know, and yeah. like you said, it's more gymnastic. I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for a 16-year-old girl to do a backflip. Do a cheerleader yeah, stuff. Yeah, because she is a cheerleader. Right. And that's in the third episode. Right. So, um, so totally. And mm-hmm. that's what she's doing. She's fighting like a cheerleader, but more awesome. Um, so... Like you were writing down um, some of your favorite quotes because I, I actually one of the things I was going to say about about Buffy is I love the dialogue so much. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a few quotes that I really love from the first episode. But I was wondering if you did you say all the ones that you wanted to say? Yeah, those were just kind of the, the, the little phrases or slang mm-hmm. that I picked up on that I enjoyed a lot. I didn't really write down any specific quotes. Uh, I also I liked all the other characters, too. Mm-hmm. Willow is great. Mm hmm. Uh, she when Buffy meets up with her at the bar, Willow's mm-hmm. sitting there eating a box of raisins. Yeah, I, and I just loved that. I know, I know. I absolutely loved yeah. that. She's. I love the way she talks too. Mm-hmm. She's very. Um. You know. Oh, do you do you and him go out? And she's like, Oh, well, we used to. And then she's like, We broke up. And why? Why'd you break up? He stole my Barbie. Oh, we were five, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. I just think that's funny. Yeah. Um, and so she's Willow. Willow is interesting to me, uh, particularly in these these episodes because she does get she does get bullied by Cordelia mm-hmm. and the other girls. And on one hand, she does kind of just take it, but at the same time, not right because there's also a scene in in the computer lab. Where they're totally giving her a bunch of crap. Yeah. And then as she walks out of the room at the end of the scene, Cordelia is like trying to figure out how to program basic on a, you know, Apple IIe or yeah. something. You know, I don't know. It's not an Apple. It, it's some yeah, PC it's, fake she's thing. She's in DOS. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, she's doing a program and uh, Willow's just like, oh, yeah, you have to uh, hit the hit the deliver key. Yeah. You know, hit deliver. Yeah. And uh, Cordelia, like, looks at the keyboard and hits the D-E. It says D-E-L yeah. instead of delete. And, you know, it's sort of like a, a little she's, F-U. That she's like, what? Ah! Yeah. Right. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that develops with, with Willow. Yeah. And they establish her as kind of this person who has a little bit of the hacker research skills, right. too. I think that's also how she kind of sticks it to them, sticks it to them a little bit, just by focusing and like being really good at helping out Buffy with mm. with slaying and everything. She well, she finds herself in that. You know, she she doesn't she has Xander, but that's pretty much all she has and she's had him her whole life. They've been friends. Mm-hmm. And um she doesn't really have much else other than that. And so with Buffy when she comes along and now Willow almost has a mission, you know, and she she has more uh reason to focus on improving herself and getting better and she she finally realized i mean i think she kind of goes through that lesson of well i'm smart and now i can kind of put it to use and uh do something and become someone important and who cares about cordelia then because now i have something to do you know right so i think that's really cool Mm -hmm. um what about xander xander i liked a lot um Mm -hmm. 
I think I can I can see Willow's place more clearly already. She to me Willow is much more than just a sidekick. Mm-hmm. Xander, I didn't quite get the vibe of knowing how he's going to fit in to everything. Welcome to Xander's life in the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's interesting. That, yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I I will say is you know, this is kind of a kind of a criticism, but Jesse, Xander's right. buddy. Right. Okay. He gets bit by the female vampire and they take him away. Mm-hmm. Why why aren't his parents wondering <laughs> where he is the next day? Why isn't the school? These are the things wondering? that you asked throughout the whole series. This is what this is what I meant when I said people of Sunnydale are so clueless. Like that's the kind yeah. of thing that I meant. Yeah. 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 Um or the principal, or like you know, every- what's the deal with him? He's principal weird. Flutie. I love yeah. him. Yeah, Bob Flutie. Yeah, he, he, what I, I love where he, the intro scene where where Buffy goes to the principal's office to meet him for the first time, and he's looking at her transcripts, mm-hmm. and and uh, he says something like, uh, "All the students here are welcome to call me Bob. None of them do." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he's he 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 acts like he's cool. Right, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's totally he's a a freaking principal. Jerk. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he's not really a jerk as much because um, he will eventually leave, and okay. in a very um, <laughs> strange way. And um, I, I think you should. I mean, I want you to watch every episode, but um, you will be very shocked at the way that he leaves. Um, I. I hope some of the listeners know what I'm talking about, but okay. it's it's really funny. And then his replacement is 10 million times worse. Okay. He's a huge jerk. Okay. So, you know, enjoy Flutie while you can. Okay. <laughs> He's so like, is it sort of like the uh, Hogwarts headmaster syndrome or? Um, what would you mean? In terms of like they get a new headmaster, like uh, what's her name? McGonagall? No, not McGonagall. Um, oh, oh, Dolores. Dolores um, Umbridge. Yeah, Umbridge. Yeah, yeah. She takes over and she's like horrible. Yeah, she's horrible. Yeah, yeah. um, yeah. That's uh, he's he's uh, because there's more to Sunnydale than you think there is. Like Sunnydale mm-hmm. isn't as unaware as it seems. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say about the new principal. Okay. Um, and then uh, I, we're probably running out of time a little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit. But I, I still have a couple more things. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, I'm just – I'm literally looking at my notes here. Uh, I liked the music. Mm-hmm. The music was very good. I thought the use of uh, rock songs like a source music in the bar mm-hmm. was good. The only instance of music that I didn't care for was the end of the second episode where they do like the happy guitar stuff in the final scene. I'm trying to picture it. Is it in the bronze? They're, no, they're back at the school, and it's back. It's oh, it's, it's probably like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not the theme, but it's like something. Yeah, something that's, else. they don't really do that very much anymore. Okay, I think good. that's kind of a beginning of the series thing. Yeah, it was a little bit nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah totally. And yeah. like the same thing with the uh, having a band play in the bar, and it's mm-hmm. probably some famous band that I don't know. I'm guessing it's going to be. Yeah, I was wondering like, cameos by like real yeah. bands. Yeah. See, my thing is like I'm so clueless when it comes to pop music. Honestly, yeah. that like it could have been. Yeah, it like, could have been somebody. Could have been like Corn yeah. or you know I, I don't, don't know who it was. The Doors, and I'd be like, what? who are those posers? Yeah. Yeah, it reminds no me idea. of um, Charmed. 
Did, you know, like oh yeah, yeah. I I've seen Charmed like <laughs> mm-hmm. the whole thing, yeah. and um, they totally would do that. Like right. a band, like a famous band, the mm-hmm. cameo. Right, yeah. right. Uh, the question, the question I have for you is, how many episodes follow an overall mythology versus being a little bit more standalone? Oh, um, I would say. Well, I think even the standalone ones are not quite standalone. I mean, they mm-hmm. they are, but like the one I was talking about, the mummy one, for instance. Um, I would say maybe the percentage out of the I just looked. We just looked too at the list of episodes. I think there were twelve in the first season. Mm-hmm. I would say probably uh, nine of them or eight of them were kind of standalone episodes. Okay, it's it's kind of like there. It gets. The ratio gets smaller, or the ratio changes as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, there's a lot more standalone episodes than there are um, later in the series. But um, even the third episode of the first season, that is referenced throughout the whole series. I mean, it's a standalone episode, but you like it's part of the series now. So mm-hmm. it happened a long time ago. They still talk about it. They still have consequences from it. Like, so it's it's definitely. Um, I think. There's a general overarching uh, storyline, but the thing about Buffy is that it's very character focused. Mm-hmm. So even the standalone episodes, for instance, um, like the Mummy one, Xander learns more about himself in that episode, and then you know it, it sort of develops his character. Every episode has a purpose of something like that, where right. the character is developed or um, the storyline includes a new. Uh, you know, monster or something like that, or or you know, it, angel somehow gets you know more into play or something like that. Right. There, there's definitely there's definitely instances in every episode that sort of are long lasting. So I see, yeah, okay. Um, but like I said, what's my line is a mid season mid season uh finale or whatever. Okay. But but that's that's an important episode and stuff like that. So cool. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna just rip through everything uh i'm hooked yeah i really really liked it uh it's even it's even better than i thought it was even better than you made it out to be really and and when we talked about it in the first episode oh that's so i'm totally in absolutely loved it um we do need to wrap it up i guess for this week um so i will i will watch those specific episodes uh for next time Mm -hmm. so i'm prepared to discuss Compare and contrast, awesome, so to speak. Um, and I think maybe what we'll do next time is we'll uh, we'll start with Buffy, okay, and then we'll hit Star Trek stuff. Cool, cool. So this has been episode two of Nerd Novice. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next week. Oh, follow us on Twitter because yeah. we have our Twitter yeah. at Nerd Novice. Uh, send us emails. We got a we got a Nerd Novice at gmail.com. Nerd Novice at gmail.com. Yep, and we're working on a website now too. So yep, that'll the, be up eventually. By the time you hear this. The website will be up. Okay, so nerdnovice.com. There we are. Awesome. See you next time. See you.